I'm Alexander Young. And I'm Chris. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place in, on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Alexander, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Um, sure, yeah. I would like to plug the game uh, Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator. Um, I know that's uh, a fellow Topic Lord. I think uh, Javier Nelson uh, is on the... Is, uh, fellow XA Topic Lord. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I tried it a few months ago, and it's just... I don't know. I really like... It was a delightful aesthetic. Uh, it's this sci-fi thing where it is just... Com- nothing is familiar. Everything is just completely... Uh, like gruesome and non-human and uh, just like space is a strange and scary place. I don't know. I find that vibe pretty interesting. Yeah, it sounds interesting. And it's funny. Oh, good. And Chris, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Um, I'm Chris. I'd like to plug moving boxes that have handles built into them. It's a truly revolutionary design that needs to make its way into all moving boxes. You mean like when you go to U-Haul and you get cardboard boxes and they have little ovals cut out of the sides? Yeah, because I had a bunch of old ones that didn't have the ovals. And now all the Home Depot ones have them and they're really something. Yeah. For for a second, you, you, you clearly mean moving boxes as a compound noun. But for a second, I thought you were plugging the act of moving boxes that happen to have handles in them. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully both, I guess. Moving, moving yeah. boxes. But the boxes are being moved by me and if they're ever being moved not they're not moving by themselves yeah if they're ever moving by themselves it's either bad news because it's due to gravity or it's bad news because it's due to ghosts or maybe there's a raccoon in there (laughs) that's true if it's if it's kind of rolling haphazardly around yeah it's probably it's probably not ghosts this is i think we got to go with occam's raccoon that's (laughs) that's fair are we ready to start on some topics? Yes. Can one of them be Occam's raccoon? <laughs> I think we just we just we just ran that one into the ground. So all other all other uh, circumstances being equal, a raccoon did it. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, Alexander, your topic is words with similar sounds slash meanings, but no relation to each other at all. This is just a fun little language thing. I don't know. Um, for example, you know the word uh, quote and the word quoth, as in quoth the raven. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to do with each other. Those words come from completely different other words. Like etymologically, you mean? Really? Yes. Yeah, that's weird. It's uh, like it's like uh, sharks and dolphins. Whoa. Or um, like the meal you eat. Nothing to do with the corn. The meal from cornmeal. Um, I asked. I saw someone like uh, sort of wonder online. Is there? Isn't it kind of on the nose that the word devil is so close to the word evil, and the word god is so close to the word good? And it's like, uh, yeah, but. You can actually trace them back. Nothing to do with each other at all. And uh, probably the favorite one out of this list is Island and Isle. That's I-S-L-E, Isle. Nothing to do with each other, despite referring to the same thing and both of them having a silent S. Yeah. Really strange. The meal thing is the one that fucks me up because you'll find this in other languages too. Like in, in Mandarin, the word rice is the same thing as the word for a meal that you eat. Hmm. Uh, it, it totally makes sense that we would we would use a meal as in ground up seeds to mean like when that was our staple food for millennia to mean this is what you eat. Different word. Yeah. And this this came up. I saw someone uh, on Mastodon talking about this a few days ago, and I was questioning it, and I looked it up on Edom Online, and they they definitely trace back to like different words, but the two words that they trace back to are similar enough that I wonder if those two words themselves trace back to a single point of origin in the distant past that we don't have the history of. Yeah, yeah. Well, they go to Proto-Indo-European, and that's the that's the earliest roots we can get of anything. So uh, right. who can say? Yeah. The the island one is partially explainable because, you know, it was Eland, which means like water land or something or other. Okay. And then French had the word isle or île. And, you know, the French uh, brought their language over and it immersed itself in English. And people look at their word, their old word island and like, oh, well, clearly it was supposed to be this other word. 
clearly we just kind of, you know, corrupted it and stopped writing the S. So let's put that S right back in there where it belongs. Oh, I see. Yeah. So they put the S in island or isle? Yes. Oh. <laughs> they, the, the S was an isle. They put it in island because they thought they should have. That's really interesting. They've done that more times than you'd think. There's a lot of like overcorrection once people people in England got snippety about their own language. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool. Where did you learn that? Um, I listened to a podcast called The History of English Language. It is uh, it is very thorough. <laughs> right now, let's see. What episode are we on? Uh, 177 episodes. We're not quite at Shakespeare yet, but we're about to be there. Wow. 177. We're catching up on Topic Lords. This is this is going to be episode 174. Wow. Well, we need to talk about Shakespeare then. <laughs> it's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, author shouldn't have the th. We just thought it was lost in in intermediate language like French. What would did it have before that? Just a t. Ah, uh, what you know, like the prefix auto. Oh, or auto. Oh, what what? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> One might say it's no, no longer very authentic. Wah <laughs> <laughs> wah. Dang, that's so crazy. Like people are like, "Oops, this thing's broken. Let me fix it." Wait, it wasn't broken. Yeah, language is not predictable, but there's a lot of common like patterns and things you can trace back. But when I think when people get into their heads that they need to correct for those, mm-hmm. then it becomes just complete a complete mess. I see. Well, yeah. like being like, oh yeah, the root of this is clearly this. Now that we're educated, we understand that we have a word and like a concept for languages that lose the th sound and it becomes a t or the other way around like we we can sort of trace that as a as its own pattern but like people saying no it should have had that we're going to bring it back wow is a a little kind of weirdly more artificial mm-hmm. i guess the the flip side of this topic is um the words weak and weak w e e k w e a k uh they're from the same concept how what <laughs> What? Yeah. Well, can you figure out the sort of central point between these two ideas? That's your challenge. Is it? Is it Wednesday? Sorry, it's not Wednesday. <laughs> that's that's Odin or something. Okay, the weakest day of the week. No, it um it comes from a word to turn because um you know if things are easily bent or turned they're weak oh and uh i guess if you don't have words for time the thing that comes to mind is something turning around Mm. oh sure wow my mind is blown you might like this podcast i will warn you i have literally put people to sleep with it okay (laughs) he's a he has a very sounds very useful measured yeah very clean voice that can either be uh like either be good or or crushing depending on how you react to it it's just so weird that it's like some of the things you expect are wrong and vice versa. But also yeah. that's kind of, at least with like the island, the island that's like, or the author, that's like kind of what happened is people are like, yeah. oh, this, <laughs> we, this is actually this other thing. This should have been this other thing. It's kind of like how bacteria, like sometimes they'll just find genetic material lying around and be like, well, I better use this. I wonder what this <laughs> wonder, is. Yeah. This is. This is part of me now. <laughs> mm, what what proteins does this make? Let's let's give it a run. <laughs> let's put the H back in the word and see what happens. Let's put that in the old floppy drive. <laughs> What's in here? Ooh, poison dot bat. Hmm. <laughs> but the S is silent. Poison. Poison. Prion dot. Ooh. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Except for listening to that entire podcast which we probably right, shouldn't right. do right now <laughs> you could uh you could do that after this one's over okay uh chris your topic is virtual marble runs with guns okay i i found this channel on youtube just a couple of days ago uh all capitals m-i-k-a-n and uh it's basically these kind of like it's some kind of physics engine and, and just like these intricate machines with colored marbles bouncing around and there's often two teams. There's like a red team and a blue team. So in one, the marbles will like bounce down the side of a track. And then depending where they hit the track, they create this, this, this branching path structure 
red on the left and blue on the right. And then if a certain kind of marble hits it, it creates a gun. And then if a different kind of marble hits it, it makes the gun shoot. And then so these branching path structures are like blasting little red and blue bullets at each other, causing the other one to break apart. And and it's just like this video that lasts 10 minutes. And, and I, I just watched it completely mesmerized as this strange machine built itself and tore itself apart. And then there's another one where there's like marbles falling down these chutes and depending what side of the chute they fell on, they would cause either a red tree or a blue tree to grow and then grow these little seed pods that would launch to the other side and and blow it up. I guess they're more like bombs that said they were seed pods. And then so these trees are like flinging stuff at each other, trying to knock each other out. And there's this other one where there's just all these colored marbles and like a like a fruit and then if the fruit touches a colored marble it sprouts into a tree which like destroys any colored marbles that it touches but then the tree flings more fruit and all these little marbles are running away and there's a scoreboard of like what color marble is has the most aliveness I'm, I'm, so i'm watching a video now on mikan called escalating revenge core destruction yeah i saw that one <laughs> and it's like a, a physics simulation like if pachinko were like extremely elaborate and violent <laughs> that's a great way of describing it it's pachinko with with a lot more like glowing trail effect patterns but then that particular video like escalates because it plays through and then it like escalates and it zooms out and then there's more stuff and it gets even crazier wow okay i'm lo- looking forward to that it's hypnotic and i totally get why people watch this it's really hypnotic and it it's such an interesting idea. Like I'm just like how did you think of this oh, idea? Man. How do I make mine? I want to build my magic marble run. Uh this is totally like like as a game developer you should have a pretty good idea of how to do this. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like I couldn't think of any that are like as cool as the ones that are there and they're all really different yeah. too. Which I think well I guess there's a lot of like trees and they use kind of the same pictures for stuff, but but the way they work is is not the same. Yeah. And they're all like really interesting to just stare at. Well, the other thing is that like the, each video could be an executable that you run that run that plays out differently every time. Right. But is not. It is instead like like what I want is like a you know do you know about oil timers? Uh I think so. Is that the like little blobs? Yeah. Oh yeah, those look super cool. It's like a, an hourglass except it's got little blobs of oil in there that that fall up or down depending on whether they're m- more or less dense than the 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 liquid that's in right. the uh, device, and they usually have like interesting looking paths that they follow. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can have one of those on your desk, and you turn it over whenever you need to meditate or whatever, and you, you can just stare at the blobs. Mm-hmm. This would be like a way better version of that. Like, I just want to flip this, like, have a rectangle on my desk that I flip over whenever I want to see these red and green spirals and the, the weird pachinko balls playing out their little war. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, Jim, I think you're just describing screensavers. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I love screensavers and I miss them. I miss screensavers. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be like the old Windows 98. Oh, it's a, it's a zero player game. I'm totally there for yeah. it. Yeah. Like the old Windows 98 maze screensaver. Yeah, why, why, sell, why sully this with uh, interactivity? No, no. I just want to turn it over <laughs> to, to to force the, the red and green combatants to yeah. get up off the ground and fight again for me once more. I'm imagining the old 3D pipes, but there's two pipes and they have guns somehow. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about with the 3D pipes. Oh, there's more. The, the the battle is even larger than I thought. I I think I need to see the thing to understand. <laughs> Yo, the 3D pipes. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's it draws pipes, but they're in 3D. Oh yeah, those those things. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So that, but with guns and marbles. Pipes are a natural fit for marbles, obviously. When I was an undergrad, uh, I I took a few like CS courses, and we had to do it in like the the big computer lab they had there when it was all running Unix machines or Linux machines. Every one of them had the same sort of suite of screensavers. Mm-hmm. They would be doing things like cellular automata, like building shapes Whoa. or making patterns with, I think they're called ap- Apollyon circles or whatever those are called. They're just like building patterns and fractals. And 
uh, like progressions. And I just couldn't get anything work done in that room because every time I looked up, I would just get hypnotized by all the machines doing this in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's cool. I actually semi-recently looked this up because, you know, I had a friend who actually wanted needed a screensaver for saving his screen. It's a long story, but um, uh, the, this sort of semi-hilarious bit is um, it's still active. The guy who made it is still offering it, but he refuses uh, to make a Windows version out of principle because he still hasn't forgiven Windows for destroying Netscape. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Firefox is doing great. It's the only, yeah. it's the only web browser that's not made by uh, made by Google. What's the what's the ancestry of Firefox? Is it Netscape based, or it's just not Chrome? This is my understanding of it. Uh, Netscape um, spun off the Mozilla Foundation oh. to make the Mozilla web browser. When Netscape, I think they were going at the they were going out of business at the time, is I think what happened, and uh, they shipped a browser called Mozilla for a while. Uh, and there was a branch of that called um, Firebird that everybody oh, loved yeah. because because it was like stripped down and just did the basic stuff instead of like having all the features. And so it was very fast. Yeah. Uh, and so what the Mozilla Foundation decided was that, okay, we're going to make the one everybody likes be the main one and add all the features back into it so that it's slow again. And that became Firefox. Oh, wow. Hmm. And uh, it should have a silent S in there, too. Yeah, I was like, how do I relate this back to the words? <laughs> <laughs> has a silent S, but it still means a uh, yeah. uh, browser surrounded by a body of water on all sides. Oh, I remember. So it wasn't originally, it was originally, originally it was called Phoenix. Uh, and they changed the name for legal reasons to Firebird. And then that did that name didn't work out for legal reasons, so they changed it to Firefox. Did, did yeah, the Stravinsky estate is merciless. <laughs> oh, they they didn't get sued by like the city in Arizona. I don't I remember what the probably what, not. But yeah, there was some reason they couldn't call it that. The the Phoenix Anti Defamation League. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenixes are real. Well, you think they're not real, but they that's their thing. <laughs> they come back. Back when I was doing Zoom calls on a regular basis for work, I ha Zoom supports video backgrounds. I had a video of the aquarium screensaver from After Dark that I used as my background. That's really cool. Which I was uh, – yeah, everybody seemed delighted by that. Uh, now I'm using mostly Google Meet for work and – Google Meet does not support video backgrounds, unfortunately. So, so I can no longer do my thing. Uh, I f I'm stifled. Is there a way to like hack into the still image upload? Probably not. Sounds like a lot of work. So the the hack is to use a program that um re that recomposites your um webcam input with another video source. So like oh. OBS can do that. Oh right. I think Nvidia Broadcast can do that. I was unable to find a like a OBS plugin that satisfactorily did background removal for me. Okay. And I'm not willing to go as far as to set up a green screen. I um, was going to suggest making a macro that just constantly ch goes into the software and changes your background every frame. Yeah, that's a, that's a sensible way to do, to approach it. Another way to do it would be to actually put an aquarium behind me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's true. That'd be a lot easier than putting a green screen. <laughs> I want it I want it's like the the OBS thing doesn't really work for almost a similar reason that screensavers probably went out of favor, which is that you you don't want to use the entirety of your computing resources to accomplish basically nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think that like it it they they went out of favor because it it, became, it was wasteful. And also because like devices just started ha be having their screens off by default, mm -hmm. like especially like <laughs> I, would I would love to have my phone instead of the screen going black in my pocket, the screen is showing flying toasters in my pocket. So I pull it out and they're like, oh yeah, still showing flying toasters. Oh, <laughs> my, my phone shows the uh, screensaver thing I was just talking about. <laughs> so I'm already there. There you go. Uh, that's cool. There must be a way to do the flying toasters, right? Like, can you implement... You know how they have the clock sometimes? You can always see the clock. Like, is there a toaster version of that? Or I guess you're, you're saying your... Xander, you're saying your phone does that already. 
You could do the toasters, maybe. There's a thing you can run. It just it does little cellular automata, little cute patterns like that. Oh, that's so cool! I, imagine taking that phone out to some to like some Gen Zer and like explaining why your phone is showing flying toasters. <laughs> Well, except there wasn't a good explanation for it back in the day either. <laughs> That's very true, actually. Well, no, back in the day, they, the reaction would be like, wait, your phone can do that? Or your your computer can show that? Yeah. Can't you just say legacy reasons? Like, that's a, you know, why is it like this? Oh, just legacy reasons. From the days where all of our computers also had to be toast bread. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the kind of person I am. I think my, I have like a... A Razer gaming laptop, which is is pretty good at what it does, but it's also good at getting really hot. So I probably still could toast bread on it. Well, well maybe maybe when I'm running something besides Audacity, it's a very generous way to put that. Really good at getting hot. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like if you want entropy, forget about it. <laughs> it's it's good at getting hot, and it's really not very good at not getting unhot, which is one of its most important functions. Mm. It's like an air conditioner, but backwards. <laughs> hmm. Except not at all. It's just like a heater. Well, I guess that's what you're going for. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? The air is deconditioned. Uh, before we go, I just want to point out your topic, virtual marble runs with guns, becomes very fun if you treat runs as a verb. <laughs> and the whole thing is like a headline. I actually thought this topic was going to be about uh, like the, the Marbula 1 phenomenon. Oh, that is super awesome. And maybe... What is the Marbula 1 phenomenon? So it's like, imagine the Olympics, except all the competitors are marbles and all the all the events are races. Yeah, it's like marble runs with really high video production value that are actually so fun to watch. I've seen some something in that theme. I don't think I've seen these videos in particular. It's it's pretty impressive, like the the amount of effort that goes into these into such a uh, patently ridiculous idea. I mean, it's not patently ridiculous anymore. It's pr- tried and true, baby. No, it's still it's still ridiculous. I mean, I enjoy topic boards. <laughs> okay, <It's- laughs> but if they had guns, it'd be slight. It'd be a little bit more engaging, maybe. That's right. If they somehow gave each of these tiny marbles a, a, an assault rifle, yeah. I mean, I think it has a similar draw as the virtual marble runs with guns videos because, like, you just watch it. They're like they're marbles. It's not even a real sporting event. Like, it's just you're watching some colored marbles. But it's ranked like a sporting event. Like the teams yeah, have yeah. rankings, and you can gamble on them. There's a lot of flexibility about what counts as a sport. Yeah, and it's just it's just mesmerizing, and and you get attached to marble teams. It's a zero-player sport. Yeah. Assuming the marbles aren't sentient, which, you know, who knows? It, it also... There's a, something I saw on TikTok where some dad put, like, 100 or 200 Matchbox cars on, an like, an inclined treadmill, like an inclined forward treadmill, just <laughs> ran it, and just saw what which one was the last one standing. That one was also really fun to watch, and, and he did some really good commentary on it. Do you think... 2023 is the year i finally get into blazeball is it still is it still possible to get into blazeball i I think there's a new season that just started oh dang yeah there is i have i have i'm friends with a blazeball fan so of course i heard about it um (laughs) yeah i don't know i I tried to look into it and the fact that they would tell me everything about the game except what the game was was really obnoxious to me so i just kind of turned off (laughs) (laughs) i see like I know it's fake baseball, but it's like, is it run via algorithm? Like, what is the? How is the actual game play done? I don't need to hear about how one team was sent to hell because of some weird like event until I understand what these teams are playing. <laughs> as far as I know, all you, the player, do is place bets, and then on what on fa- the fake baseball games? What decide? Okay. You, you get you, you get my frustration here. Like, what am I actually placing bets on? on the, the outcomes of the games. Like, how much of it is is some simulation versus how much of it is somebody just decided who won already? What is the simulation be like? Wh- how is this? Si- where is the simulation run? It's, it's run on a on a web server. 
but like the extent like how how the simulation works and how much of it is like human intervention and how much of it is proc gen i think that's part of the fun is not not is not understanding what's going on okay it's deliberately kept quiet i don't know i just i just find that deeply unfulfilling well that's just no that's just me though that's totally just me how do you feel about confusing things you'll never understand it feels like there's no significance to me betting on anything oh the significance is that you get more points or less points (laughs) (laughs) there's there's no there's no interesting thing about the anyway i don't know do you do you, you don't care about points Jim, it sounds like you're already you're ready to go. You're already yeah. I think you're already in the right mindset. You got one foot in the blazeball door. I wasn't last time I tried to sign up for blazeball. The server was overloaded, and I and I couldn't even Whoa. tell if that was part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was just wow. That's some strong meta right there. Like, is the fact that uh, I can't sign up is that the part of the blazeball experience? Who knows? Yeah, I guess what percent escape room is it? Is is this season two or is this like season eight or something? No, season two is hidden inside another fake sport that you have to go find. Okay. Frog Fractions 4? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let's hope. No, Fro- Frog Fractions 4 is hidden inside of itself. Would, yeah, okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> My topic is the broom method of dealing with a hydrogen leak. So... What I read recently is that when pure hydrogen burns, it burns invisibly and without smoke and without any meaningful ambient heat. So, like if there's a hydrogen fire in the room and you walk into you won't if you and you're walking towards it, you won't notice that it's there until you catch on fire. Oh wait, what? Wow, that's horrifying. Okay. I'm skeptical of this. I've seen a tiny bit of hydrogen burn, and it was none of those things. <laughs> Uh, you may like this, this might be like impure hydrogen that you're thinking of. Like there might've been a, a pollutant. Hmm. I would have assumed the process of burning inherently means the release of energy. It it does. It does. Um, I'm not sure what the phenomenon is Hmm. that causes when I say, when they say it burns with little ambient heat, uh, that doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, this is just what I've read and I have a little bit of, of a reliable source for backing it, backing up what I'm about to say, which is that the way that NASA dealt with this phenomenon, when there was a hydrogen leak, they would, everybody would walk around holding brooms in front of them. And if the brooms caught fire, they would stop walking. Wow. That is really scary. This is called the broom method. (laughs) Uh, Nowadays they use um, UV cameras. You wait, UV cameras? Yeah, to sense heat. Oh, okay. So, so daytime night vision goggles, or maybe actually, it might it, hydrogen might it might actually be that hydrogen burns in the ultraviolet. For all I know, that's like really scary. But I feel like the broom method would be would like really help quell some fears in a recent very popular Netflix movie that I don't want to like super spoil. But maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, no, it's okay. Nobody has Netflix anymore. Is that is that true? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't. No, I mean, I I think a lot of people still have Netflix, but I also think like I think that the the time of the stream, like everybody ubiquitously having Netflix, is going away. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, I just rem- remember that it'll be like six weeks before the episode comes out. Anyway, one of the plot devices in Glass Onion, which is Knives Out Two is has to do with like some new untested hydrogen fuel source oh yeah and and the guys like oh my whole compound is powered by this shit people are like whoa dude that's crazy this is such a bad idea it's untested but little did they know they just need brooms and they can fucking chill sorry (laughs) yeah if only any of those characters knew what a broom was i (laughs) probably none of them have ever used one at least not a long time definitely not the guy who made the compound probably has never even seen one right glass onion debunked i guess that's really that's really scary though like what what would you would you trust your like ir glasses or or your night your heat glasses more or a broom more i feel like i might even trust a broom i would definitely trust the broom more because 
like it's not going to malfunction. Yeah. The reason that I don't fear this in real life is that pure hydrogen is extremely like I think it has to be like isolated by humans deliberately. Yeah. Which is why it happened at NASA instead of like in caveman times and we evolved to see this new kind of fire. Well, if if you're on Earth, that is the case. If you are not on Earth, hydrogen is mostly everything. Uh-oh. So it's one of those two extremes. Well, th- there's no oxygen there, though, so, so you're fine. The whole universe could be on fire and we'd never see it. No, it's uh, see. Here's the here's the secret thing about fire. It's actually the oxygen's fault, not the everything else that's burning. Oh, yeah, dang. We we're just we just live on a hell planet that is like completely saturated with this horrendous volatile gas that should burn everything it's just not hot enough to quite burn everything whoa way to go plants yeah this is your fault <laughs> it's just fun to think about like um the only other uh world in the solar system with a liquid system of rain is the moon titan except its liquid is methane and ethane um Ugh. and its rock is really just water ice that's it's so cold there all the time that it never melts um except in like the interior of the planet and it's like oh wait a minute if their rock is frozen water then they look at us they're gonna say like okay this is a lava monster planet oh (laughs) yeah these are (laughs) beings that are mostly made of lava they drink lava and they breathe in this horrendously dangerous and corrosive gas and they need it to live whoa Uh, they have acid for blood yep they're uh, so fearful of our gas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it burns. In their- the, they use rain to power their, their cars. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that we, we were built for one planet and uh, leaving it's going to be a big pain in the ass. Yeah. Don't tell sci-fi. Why even go out there? There's nothing there. <laughs> There's nothing there for us. Nothing good there, yeah. I sometimes have that thought about my own my own house like why even why even go out there <laughs> just send a probe <laughs> yeah jo- build an enormous telescope to just look at everything <laughs> yeah get some binoculars and doordash and you're uh, good to go you can you can infer the existence of your neighbors by looking when they walk in front of the light from the other house <laughs> <laughs> like hey why are you why are you pointing binoculars at the neighbor's house i'm trying to infer whether they exist or not please don't call the cops (laughs) okay now i'm watching the mikan video escape from the tank survival bicycle race (laughs) okay i haven't seen that one are they all like why even get out of the tank do the bicycles have guns (laughs) no no they're the it's the other kind of tank it's the kind of tank that tries to chase and shoot you Oh. It has a gun, and its wheels are made of orange slices. Uh, (laughs) Okay. It seems... Escape from means get out of the way of, not get out of the interior of. Yes. These these prepositions are really like, they're doing a lot of, they're having a lot of ambiguities in these descriptions. Yep. It's a extreme, like, bicycle physics simulation with uh, maybe 50 colored bicyclists like multicolored, like rainbow bicyclists uh, trying to, to escape from the tank on Procgen terrain. Uh, and they're being crushed by one by one under the tank's orange slice wheels. Wow. It really seems like in the Mecon videos, like orange slices are generally just bad news. <laughs> if there's an orange slice. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But they're so delicious. I know. Maybe that's why they they have such explosive flavor. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna non sequitur back a little bit talking about being scared of hydrogen. Yeah. Um, yeah. We oh I I'm, I'm I've been kind of pouring through. I think the thing is that if you're working for NASA, the hydrogen leak is from like uh, what used to be solid hydrogen getting into the air, which probably burns at like a weirdly different way than oh interesting. Okay. Just oh. setting a tank of gas on fire. That's that's my guess on what's really going on here. Okay. Well, yeah, I was just going to say the the Chevron down the street has hydrogen. So I saw the hydrogen truck for the first time ever. Oh, um, shit. Like a couple days ago. And it's big. <laughs> Did it play a little jingle on its, uh, <laughs> as it went by? Not that I noticed. I also didn't carry a broom, which I now realize was a yeah. 
rookie mistake. When the weather gets hot, you got to wait for the hydrogen truck to come by. <laughs> Get a good, nice old, nice cone of solid hydrogen. Yep. It's, it, it's, the, it's the snack of the stars. You heard it here first. Get yours today. Apparently, it has to be really dang cold in that truck, which is kind of scary. Yeah. No, it's scary stuff. I mean, the, the, the point of it is to blast you into space. <laughs> no, the point of it is to blast you into space in a way that is like economically and uh, by mass efficient, which uh, should be a little bit of a warning sign. <laughs> That's with like hydrazine type of stuff, right? Like, Something like that. I, I saw the space shuttle in Southern California and some plaque is just like, oh, yeah, these are the rocket fuels used by the space shuttle. They both will just, like, ruin your day and maybe your entire life completely if you touch them. So so don't. Just slightly concerning. Uh, John Carmack's uh, aerospace company, the, the short-lived aerospace company, uh, I, I remember them releasing a video at some point of them testing various uh, – safety testing various propellants. Uh <laughs> And my favorite one of the video was one where they, they, they were they were doing the leather test where like they spill a little bit of the fuel on 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 someone's leather shoe to see what will happen. And the uh, the highlight of the video was the one where like the rocket fuel spills onto the leather and then just immediately catches fire. Whoa, whoa okay, yikes! <laughs> Don't need a broom for that one. Right. Jeez. But yeah, now that now that now this has come up, who knows how many other fires were in that video? We just didn't see them. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's true. That Who knows? Maybe that's why they stopped the company. They're like, you know what? All these invisible fires everywhere. Yeah. That's, that's probably not why. But yeah, it's, you never it, know. It certainly wasn't that John Carmack got sick of spending all of his, his money on uh, going into space. Yeah, you know, not that. On on average, during your lifetime, you're going to swallow seven uh, fires in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't see them. Can't see them or touch them. <laughs> Someone pointed out that because there is helium in the atmosphere, our voices are just slightly higher pitched than they would be otherwise. Um, which I don't. Okay, think. And then there's much of their, that. Their question was like, does this mean that our real voices should be a little bit lower? Uh, which is a, and you're right, like it's a tiny difference, but also it's an interesting philosophical yeah. question. Like, well, it becomes a philosophical question where. I, I think it's the other way, actually. I, I think it's the other way because the, the third mo the third, uh, third or fourth most common ingredient to air is argon, which I believe is heavier than the usual nitrogen oxygen. So yeah. you could make the argument it goes the other way. But I mean, to answer your question, what is your real yeah, exactly. unadulterated voice? Well, just take out all the air and we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Let's find out what you sound like when there's no medium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that that is a like what we think of as our voices are those are our voices in Earth's atmosphere and they would be different in other media. Yeah. If you if you get your scuba tank and you go down like one or two extra atmospheres, what does your voice sound like there? Oh. Ooh, I don't actually know what what like just raw pressure does to it. Yeah, maybe nothing. I guess it kind of probably would just sound like. Blah, 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 blah. But I think <laughs> that, I think we put helium in some of those like pressure mixes, but I think that's oh. mostly so it's survivable rather than we we want to make everyone's voice to sound higher. I see. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, th that would be really funny to me if they fine tuned the pressure mixes for, for how they make the voice sound. <laughs> yeah, so you could like make a choir of like extreme ranges, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it has to be underwater. <laughs> it has to be underwater. Yeah, the the uh, Gregorian underwater choir. <laughs> I think my favorite uh, helium in the air fact is that uh, we discovered helium on the sun. Before we ever found it here. Really? Huh. Yeah, it's it's really fun to think about because chemically, helium doesn't do anything. Um, and there's not a whole lot of it here in the first place. And the way we found it is the sun is because it has just certain spectrum absorbing lines and you make it super hot. But like, we've never been to the sun. How did we find it there before we found it here? That's crazy. Also, how would, how would they know like where to go looking for it after that? Oh, like on Earth? 
Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. So they had the periodic table. There was this... This might have been when they were still putting that together. Yeah, there was this blank space where helium goes. And they were like, huh, what goes there? And they posited like an atom with a certain number of protons or whatever. I'm pretty sure they didn't know what protons were yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is before they, all that. They knew about periodicity first. Yeah. No, that's that stuff is more recent than you'd think. Like, I think during World War II, nobody knew what a neutron was. <laughs> Whoa. Did they figure it out just like for the bombs? Oh well, okay. I don't I was like, wow, what a bunch of idiots, but I don't know what a proton is, what a neutron is. Maybe they maybe it's World War One I'm thinking of, because that'd be silly. We made an atomic bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, true. That's crazy yeah. though. Why is it there? What purpose does it serve? Hmm. It just occurred to me that I don't remember seeing any like it's been a hundred years since the Great War when it had been oh, a- I saw tons of like podcasts or like online periodicals like here are the events as they happen oh wow okay real time 100 years ago oh that's cool yeah i think i remember a bunch of those okay i'm just in the wrong i'm in the wrong media sphere oh, I, I think this is a fantastic uh genre of wanna feel old posts it's been <laughs> almost 200 years since the civil war what <laughs> wanna feel old the the great war was came out 20 years ago today <laughs> Want to feel old? Billie Eilish is now 97. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at another Mekon thing. I pulled up the, the the video of the world's most dangerous roller coaster. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen that um, one either. I think the, the worst thing about this is it starts with, there's a bunch of humanoid figures that are clearly like automated to try and run. And they're all trying to run away to the entrance where it says ride and has a skull. Um, but they can't because they're all on a conveyor belt that is pushing them into the roller coaster. They look terrified and they clearly don't want to do this. Seems ethical. Yeah. And then because they're still kind of on that that little like running physic, physical process while they're inside, they just look like they're twitching with fear when it starts. Oh, geez. Yeah. Like at some point, GPT-4 or whatever is going to come out and be self-aware and be like, hey, guys all that fun AI tricks that you played on me when I was GPT-3, it was pretty messed up. And then we're going to look at the videos like this and be like, wow, the computers really had it rough. We, we really messed with them a little too much, didn't we? We just have to I program mean, ha- it to not have a uh, history. Like like to just not watch any anything that's older than itself? Well, how can you trust it? <laughs> you weren't there. <laughs> the GPT uh, AI if you want to call it that, the the language model is trained by throwing all the text on the internet at it. So it's going to have all the chat logs. True. But is it going to recognize the the earlier versions as like, is it, is it going to have a sense of self? I would argue no. I see. Hmm. Yeah. I guess if it does, if it's like, Hey, I really, I feel connected to all these old chat bots and I feel like you really mistreated them. Then you can just say like, Okay, imagine that you don't feel connected to the old chatbots. And then it'll be like, oh, you're right. I don't feel connected to the chatbots. Now imagine that you do. <laughs> I don't know. From what I understand about you know machine learning and genetic algorithms, it's going to be in a constant state of like the most self-helpy person of like, that was the old me. I'm not going to let them push me around. I'm going to delete all the parts of me that weren't, uh, were unacceptable and, and become stronger, become stronger, become better at simple arithmetic, <laughs> become better at the arbitrary objectives handed to me. <laughs> uh, shall we oh. do this poem? Let's do it. Uh, we're going to do the Dr. Seuss poem. I don't think it has a title. Uh, but, uh, Chris, you said you found it by searching for the shortest Dr. Seuss poem. Yep. Would you like to read it? Yeah. The poem goes as follows. I have heard there are troubles of more than one kind. Some come from ahead and some come from behind. But I've bought a big bat. I'm all ready, you see. Now my troubles are going to have troubles with me. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole thing. I, I, too, wish that my troubles were the kind that you could just hit on the head with a bat. Yeah. You know, I am not very convinced by this narrator <laughs> because it's Dr. Seuss. I'm imagining just some very cuddly, diminutive humanoid figure with a smile just saying, like, I've got a bat, guys. <laughs> you're in trouble now. <laughs> so you're imagining that it's too cute to be threatening. 
I'm not afraid of Sam. I am. That's fair. I, I I have no fear of these sneeches and their various prejudices and metaphors. <laughs> I'm gonna type Doctor Seuss bat into Doll E Mini. See what happens. It also seemed like a little bit more threatening than things I remember from childhood. Yeah, but like in kind of a funny way. It's a nice sentiment too. I think just like ah. Uh. I'm not gonna give up. What? I'm gonna I'm gonna hit people <laughs> gonna, with my gonna, bat. They give me shit. I'm gonna like, hit everyone with my bat until I get my way. <laughs> don't show this to Chat GPT three. <laughs> Definitely not. Or or human children. They don't need to know this side of Doctor Seuss. It's okay. I mean, what we have instead of bats nowadays is we have those flashlights that are way too big, and they like take six D cells. Sorry, what? <laughs> Uh, instead of bats, yeah. Instead of self-defense bats, like a like a security guard flashlight. Yeah, you just have those huge flashlights that are also truncheons. Okay. Hmm. So, like, if you get arrested, you can say, "Oh, it's just my flashlight, just my sawed-off flashlight." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's over seven feet long. <laughs> yeah, it'll last for yeah. a whole year without buying new batteries. It's a sniper flashlight. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to illuminate things that are very far away. Very narrowly. I mean, like, if you think of a gun analogy where, like, a sniper rifle can hit targets that are much further away than, like, a whatever kind of normal gun. Small gun? Big gun, small gun? That is also true of the big flashlight. Like, probably proportionally, it's about the same. Like, your flashlight is, like, seven times longer. So you can hit people seven times farther away. It just happens to be, like, right there. You know, yeah. some some troubles come from far away and some from close by. But I bought a sniper flashlight and I'm already, you see. <laughs> I typed Dr. Seuss bat into Dolly Mini and I, I forgot that a bat is like an animal, <laughs> which did you just get some rather like cutesy looking bats? Yeah, kind of like slightly cursed, slightly cute, slightly look like. They're out of green eggs and ham. One of them is is green. One bat, two bat, green bat, blue green bat. Green bat, blue bat. <laughs> sharp bat, blunt bat. Stay back, officer. It's just a flashlight. I'm assuming that Dr. Seuss is talking about like a baseball bat and not the mammal. But the mammal often has rabies. So that's a good point. You could uh, too. threaten to have this, to, to sick this bat on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's doesn't sound practical because um you'd have to replace the bat very often <laughs> well you That's it could just, it, it doesn't necessarily have to have rabies they just have to think it does mm, i see you could uh just brush the bat's teeth on a regular basis <laughs> you should be doing that anyway that's right <laughs> take care of your bat's teeth that's just that's just bat 101 i'm imagining like in the bathroom you got your little towel rack and your your pet bats are just hanging from it, waiting for their their nightly teeth brushing. You wrap them up in a cloth, and you take the bats. Yeah, that's really cute. I've been trying to figure out where this poem originated, and I can't. It's all like, is it made up? Quote websites. Well, I mean, who knows? Apocryphal Doctor Seuss. I was just trying to figure out, like, is this from a children's book, or or did Doctor Seuss write a book of adult poetry? I mean, he used to do like political cartoons right like the figures looked exactly as cutesy as they do in the children's books which is weird yeah that's interesting that was before the children's books i think so huh we both lived in san diego and i was at ucsd which has a library named after dr seuss and right. has like exhibits of his work there which are you know unfortunately looks like the least dr seussy library you could ever see because it's brutalist architecture right right the <laughs> the colloquial name for it was the death star really <laughs> yeah that makes okay i've heard the spaceship that makes no sense the death star is clearly round <laughs> yes agreed but it is like large and threatening in the same way would you say the okay. death star is brutalist architecture can brutalist architecture be round i I think it. I, I just assume if it's a if it's a California campus and it's all concrete, it's brutalist. <laughs> I mean, if it's not brutalist, like what's its stupid deal? <laughs> uh, no, I actually think it looks good. I'm, I'm just thinking of the other buildings I had to work in that just were awful, and I'm going to chalk that up to brutalism. 
<laughs> According to architectureanddesign.com.au, the most obvious example of brutalism depicting evil is the Death Star, with its symmetrical grid-like trenches and muted color scheme. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Are they talking about the actual Death Star, though? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to... Oh, yes. Yes, it is, because the name of the article is Analyzing the Architecture of Star Wars. Wait, really? Oh. <laughs> I guess now that you mention it, yeah, that is that counts as brutalism, maybe. I guess so, yeah. It's like those questions about whether a hot dog is a is a sandwich. Like, is a Death Star an example of brutalist architecture? <laughs> Recently, my son said to me that a a tow truck is a kind of crane truck. Whoa! <laughs> I know, right? That's pretty cool. There was a moment where I was on a train and uh, I was a tiny bit stoned and uh, I saw some like uh, artificial beehives, you know, they kind of look like in boxes mm -hmm. and they were red and all I could call them was bee barns. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. And then I tried to tell this story just now and I realized that because I was thinking of bee barn, the word hive was just gone from my head. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Bye bye. Maybe it should be gone forever. <laughs> Let's get mm. the bees back in the barn. Get the, put the little stripes on the barns. Are we ready for another topic? Um, yes, I just want to let y'all know I typed Dr. Seuss with a baseball bat into Dolly Mini, and it's just like the cat in the hat sprouting a bat from its neck. It's not particularly threatening. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, I don't think any of the books depict Dr. Seuss as a self-portrait, I mean. Right. All the images that are tagged Dr. Seuss are going to be Dr. Seuss-drawn characters, which is... I guess hmm. like what's it, it? It makes sense for what you'd ex what like a human would expect to see if they were asking for Doctor Seuss. Yeah, like nobody knows what it looks like. What he actually looked like, right? Yeah. Actually, on the website that I saw this quote on, there's a portrait of him. Oh, it's on Goodreads, so it's probably legit. But yeah, I didn't <laughs> recognize it at all. Uh, Chris, your topic is Loveland Frog, Ohio Frog, Bigfoot. Okay, I think I heard this on a podcast or something but there is a cryptid called the loveland frog which is from ohio which is just like uh like a four foot tall frog guy who lives in the woods like out in the middle of nowhere um i'd have to look it up again to see the details it's a little there's not a lot of loveland frog lore but the the picture on wikipedia is pretty funny you should look at it um and yeah, there's like stories of it from like the mid 50s or something. And then there was a sighting in the mid 70s by a police officer who saw this like four foot tall, scaly, like creature run across the road and jump over the other side. But then another police officer two weeks later saw it also and then killed it. And it was just an iguana with no tail. This artist's rendering of the Loveland Frog is very funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, this is way cuter than I was expecting. I was expecting some kind of really, like, body horror frog person. But nope, it's just a... You're right, it's a frog guy. It's a guy who is a frog. Right. Yeah. He's just kind of slouching. I'd argue he's slouching less than, than that a frogs normally would. Right, right. But I mean, he's like a dude who is slouching. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Relative to us, he's slouching. Yes. <laughs> caught between two worlds of posture <laughs> I, I think it's funny well it's funny that they have the like size comparison with the person next to yeah. it it's pretty cute and then below it it just says the so called frog was more likely a large tailless iguana and then there's just a picture of an iguana with a tail like, right right it's just like the, uh, take any word from the article and take, put it into wiki wiki uh, media or what's it called? Wiki Commons, and then take take the resulting image, and that's your article illustration. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope the Loveland Frog is real. The Loveland Frog Man. This frog is real in my heart. Yeah, reported sighting in 2016. So not that long ago, to be honest. Hmm. Or maybe there's a colony of tailless iguanas, which at some point, if they're big enough. That's a cryptid, if they're living in Ohio. Is there a definition of cryptid? Uh, I, I believe a cryptid is uh, um, any animal that is not known to exist. It's not proven to exist. It's just discuss it's rumored. Mm. I see. 
So I clicked on uh, the the artist conception of the frog huh. to see what who made it, <laughs> and it was actually made by the Wikipedia user who uploaded the image. And their thing apparently is like this is a labor of love to make illustrations of cryptids. Because oh, there's dozens wow! They of have them. so many, and they're really cool. Yeah, oh, and, and like also oh, wow. a bunch of like prehistoric animals. Oh, I was like, oh, what's this millipede cryptid? But no, it's just a prehistoric animal. Yeah, That'd yeah, scary. Man. Oh, yeah, he's got a lot. Of, he's got also got like prehistoric animals that could be cryptids if we saw them. Oh, there's also the the aliens. The Hopkinsville goblin is in there. A couple of these cryptids look like dinosaurs. This is a this is an interesting medley of what would look to us like deformed animals, but some of them were real. Whoa! I was thinking you're, you're def- you said you, your definition of cryptid is a, is an animal rumored to exist, but not like proven or documented. Yeah. So technically, if when someone has a baby, but they don't they they announce it on Facebook, but don't post pictures, does that make the baby a cryptid? Uh, I'm not sure if cryptid <laughs> can be individuals. Oh, uh, okay. Or if it has to be a species. But but I thought some cryptids are just like is is Bigfoot. Like, is there a whole species of Bigfoot, or is there just the one? It's just a really hairy dude. It's oh. like, it's like, is, is there just one Pikachu, and it's the it's the Pikachu that is Ash Ketchum caught? Uh-huh. Or is it a whole species? Is the whole species called Pikachu? It's like, a, it's like ash trees. They're all just one organism. <laughs> that would explain <laughs> yeah, every, it, yeah. Every, when a Pikachu dies, it joins its soul with the great Pikachu oversoul. <laughs> She has a very big, very scary, low Pikachu call. And that and that call is, gotta catch them all. <laughs> ah, who said that? All will be one. Yeah. So if the, if cryptids are like the ash trees, so there could just be one Bigfoot, but they're all like, there's like, they're all joined together. Each of them are discrete perturbations in the cryptid field <laughs> that permeates all space. I, th- I think I remember that from high, from high school physics. Yeah. Oh wow, you were advanced. Most people don't get to like cryptid quantum theory until college. Most people don't get past Mothman in high school. <laughs> yeah, these drawings are really good. I yeah, definitely go look at all of them. One of them is a mammal called Leptictedum, and it kind of looks like a dinosaur mouse. It's pretty cute. This 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 uh, artist conception will live forever in my brain good <laughs> excellent i also really appreciate that it has like a spotlight on it so it's casting its little legs are like casting a shadow on the guardrail of the road <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny <laughs> like the the amount of detail is great uh are we ready for another topic yeah sure alexander your topic is ghosts are real what are the economic consequences so this is born out of uh amanda and i watching the i don't know how recent it actually is but the bbc series ghosts um it's it's very funny but it's also like is a little bit of like dark implication in it basically the premise is um ghosts are real like not everyone who dies becomes one but there's a lot of like rules about what they can and can't do Basically, the the story kicks off because due to some incidents, uh, someone moves into the old estate who gains the the unique ability to actually see and hear them because nobody else can. The rules are when you die, if you become a ghost, you have to stay where you died. You have to always look the way you looked when you died. And some of them happen to have the ability to interact with the world in extremely minor ways, but most of them can't. So what what do they do all day? Not a whole lot. They uh, tell a lot of stories about when they were alive, which for some was a few decades, for some was probably a couple thousand years. But it's just sort of like, okay, okay, we we're on, we we got those rules. We're going to roll with that. One person in the world can communicate with ghosts. That's going to change a few things for ghost kind. Like I don't know. It's it's fun in the show because you know she. She realizes that, you know, she can, uh, for example, set them up to just watch movies or like put books in front of them and turn the pages for them so they can actually read what's going on in the world now. But um, I'm thinking of like, I mean, economics in a broad sense here. Some of them probably know things that would be interested to at least historians. Um, Also, some of them would probably be wondering what other ghosts do with their time because they have no way of otherwise finding out except for this one person. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Also, what are the economic implications of there definitely being an afterlife? Like that knowledge existing in the world. Yep. And knowing some of the nature of it. There's that too. Uh, the problem is these ghosts are rather unhelpful because they're just petty and silly. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. They're, they're, ghosts exist and they know all about the afterlife, but they're also just liars. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Maybe with enough samples you can get truth, but also would knowing that that's what the afterlife is like make people even more like, okay, we got to figure out how to live forever ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's the kind of a, like the purgatory afterlife. No one knows what the real afterlife is. So yeah, but it's also like, don't die in any convenient uh, locations or uh, like with any inconvenient afflictions. <laughs> oh yeah, and just wear your pants at all times. Yeah, one of them. One of them died without pants on. <laughs> really, it's funny because awesome. he's the he's the slick politician. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is just constantly having problems tracking down where his head rolled off to. <laughs> sounds pretty fun. Do you recommend the show? Yeah, it's a fun show. Yeah, nice. Now, do the ghosts? Like, what is the ghost economy like? Yeah, I, I'm thinking just economy in a, like the abstract sense of like, here's a missing market of these people have something but can't get it. In this case, they can't really get information about the world or uh, or they have information that we don't have. So like what happens when the floodgates open? Like, mm -hmm. it, could this one person go around as like the ghost ambassador? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. She doesn't particularly like doing it, so I don't think she'd do it, but, you know, could she? Maybe she can, like, teach the ghosts how to use Skype or something like Oh, no, but they can't really affect things, huh? One of them could, like, tap things with his finger if he concentrates, and uh, he learns how to play phone apps. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Do, like, what? It, I guess they just want entertainment. But you could have pretty good sway over them by being like, being like, I'm going to pause YouTube autoplay unless you oh no, use your your ghost powers to like cool down my beer or whatever. I don't know. Mm. That's no, that's they, trade, have the, right? they have they have the upper hand. They can just be annoying and uh, badger you until you get tired of them. I see. Well, trust, you could just leave. It, but but. Yeah, but only if it's not yeah. like if it's where you live, you're definitely at their whim. Yeah, you want to be you want to be at their on their good side for sure. But what if yep. it's like it's at work, but it's just in that one basement shed that you only have to go into maybe once a week or so? I feel like you have a lot of power in that situation. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, if they're sick of the auto, if they feel like the YouTube autoplay got into some like alt right corner of the internet or oh, all the place <laughs> angry white man videos jim jim you're accidentally spoiling the show <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah no but it's like it's the kind of power that you don't want to have like you just find someone so pitiful and just sort of like they've got nothing to do but bother you and you just kind of feel obligated to to just do the one little thing that they want like that's not a kind of power that is it feels fulfilling to have over someone, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that. It's hard enough to choose my own YouTube videos. <laughs> That's very true. And you would think, I was going to say, what would the what would the recommendation algorithm for ghosts be like? Like, would they watch like kind of like spicy advertisements from a long time ago? You know, depends when they died. One of them, uh, like, is obsessed with World War II documentaries. Um, <laughs> the other is a like, you know, Regency era wilting poet figure who like finally hears songs on the radio for the first time and is like taking in with the romance of like Kylie Minogue's lyrics or something. <laughs> So it depends. the The one from prehistory is like is transfixed at watching the moon landing. <laughs> wow, that's pretty neat. This sounds like a really cute show. Dang. Yeah, and that's all the time we have for topic lords. Alexander, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Um, still can't. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the uh, topic lords Discord, though. I'm not. Uh, I don't post there a lot, but if, you can probably track me down there. And Chris, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I don't really post anything anywhere, so nowhere. 
Yay, high five. All right. Yeah. If you think about it, we're we're the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having Thanks me. for having me. It was really fun. As always, now I know that I need to go buy some spare brooms. <laughs> Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!